Once again, we are so excited that you're with us today. So glad that you took the time to join us. I hope that this message finds, uh, brings you some encouragement and some hope in your life because of who Jesus is. Uh, today, I want to start by talking about a topic of identity. Identity. It's one we hear discussed a lot. We hear people say that they identify as this group or, or that group. And some of us may think this is, this is something new that this identity discussion has, has come up, but it's not. You see, identity has been an issue for years. In the church world, we hear people talking about how they identify as, as Baptist or, or Lutheran or, or Catholic or non-denominational or, or something else. And if that's not enough, we even see that within those denominations, people talk about breaking it down further into a different part of that denomination. A different part of that is a type of Baptist or a type of Lutheran. And many people, many of us, identify with our chosen professions. It might be like, I'm a teacher or or I'm a doctor, or, or a nurse, or a stay-at-home parent, or a police officer, or a farmer, or any of a thousand-plus other professions. But we identify as our profession. You see, the reality is people are finding their identity in what they do. And, and this was actually highlighted for me about seven to, to ten years ago. I don't remember the exact date. But I was sitting in a, in a meeting... And I was learning in this meeting, I heard someone talking about farmer suicide. And that farmers commit suicide at one of the highest rates of any profession. And th that was mind-blowing to me. Some studies even said it was more than veterans or first responders. And following that meeting, and in the time since then, I I've learned that part of the reason can be that their identity is wrapped up in their profession. As a result, when something goes wrong on the farm, some farmers see it as, as something wrong with them. A and they don't see it as a series of unfortunate events or just innocent mistakes. They see it as something that is wrong with them, with their identity. Identity is a really big deal. So, who or what do you follow? What is their identity? Many of us probably say that we follow God. And that's a great thing. So let me ask you. What do you know about God's characteristics and his identity? And, and how does God's identity impact me and the life that I live? How does who God is affect who I am and how I live? That's what we're going to be talking about in this upcoming series, and in this week and the weeks to come, in our series titled, God Is, and then blank. You see, we're going to look at several characteristics to fill in that blank, and we're going to see how, who God is, what his characteristics are, and how who God is can bring us hope. So let's pray, and then we'll get to this first week. God in heaven, thank you for the opportunity to come today. God, we ask that you would speak to us where we are at. We ask, God, that it would be your words, not Sam's words. We ask that, that Holy Spirit, you would connect personally with each person 
joining us today. And it's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. What causes you to worry? This, this list could probably be different for all of us in, in different times in our lives. As toddlers, we may worry about monsters that are hiding under the bed at night. As we go to school and, and become school age, we, we may worry about not being popular or about being bullied or about failing a class. Then as we move on to college, it may be about how we are going to pay for our education. We're about making new friends now that we're in a new environment. Moving into adulting, we, we may worry about paying bills. We may worry about balancing the family budget or, or getting a job or, or being able to afford a vacation. And having kids, having kids brings about worries about their health and about their well-being. And, and as our kids get older... It can bring about wor worries that, that what's their future going to look like, including their spouses and their jobs. And, and then as we start to approach retirement age, whether or not we had kids or not, there are worries about whether we can afford to retire or how long we're going to have to work. Is our health going to be good long enough? What's Social Security like when I, when I get to retirement age or any other number of things. Now you don't need to answer out loud, but, but I truly want you to think about what are you worried about? Maybe, maybe just write it on your note sheet if you have your note sheet. Write it on the side there. What are you worried about? In this season today, what is your biggest worry? Now, it only seems right that, that I answer this question since I'm asking you to, to answer this question for yourself. For me, my biggest worry, I think, is, is letting someone I care about down, disappointing them. What if I can't provide the life I want for my family? What if I can't build the sales I want for my customers or, or for those I work with? In my other job, that's not a, not a pastoral worry. Uh, or, or what if I don't, in the, in the church and, and in other things I'm a part of, what if I don't lead each person, each of you, to where God would want me to lead you? My biggest worry, I think, is letting down those who matter to me. Most of us, most of us, we face worries of some kind at some point. Merriam-Webster defines worry as mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, usually for something impending or anticipated. We, we get agitated or, or we get mentally worked up over something that's happening. Okay, maybe. But, but for most of us, it's not, not necessarily that definite. It's over something that we, we anticipate happening. It's something that we, we build up in our minds that might happen or, or might become something else. But Jesus, he tells us that we do not need to worry. Here's what he said in Matthew 6, 25 and 27. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. 
probably easier said than done. And then he asked the question, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Jesus has a pretty solid point here. Our worrying does not fix anything. Instead, do you know what, what my worries and your worries, do you know what our worries reveal about us? Often, at least, they reveal where we trust God the least. What we worry about the most often reveals what we trust God about the least. So, so why are we struggling to trust God in these areas of our lives? Psalm, Psalm 33, 4 says, The Lord is faithful in all he does. In, in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, we read that God is faithful. In, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, we're told that, But the Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Here's, here's the main point for today. You can write it down if you've got your note sheets. There's blanks to fill in there. But it's that because God is faithful, I can trust him and I don't need to worry. Because God is faithful, I can trust him and I don't need to worry. Now, this might be the point where you would rightly challenge me with the question, how do I know that I can trust him? Seems like a pretty fair question. Now, I could possibly respond with, did you not just hear those three verses we read? He told us he is faithful. God is faithful. And if he said it, you and I just need to believe it by faith. But... Rest assured, I'm not going to do exactly that. While it's true, we can accept that by faith. Instead, I'm going, to, I'm going to look with you at a few reasons why we can know that God is trustworthy. Why we can know God is faithful. This is likely not a, an inclusive list of the reasons that we can know it, but it will make the point. And the first reason we know that we can trust God and that we can trust God's faithfulness is that God has been faithful before. For all the challenge of, of rules and rituals that went along with the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, have you ever noticed the parties, the, the celebrations that happened? There, there was a number of festivals that we read about in the Old Testament, things that happened regularly to... to Look back. Do you understand why they had these festivals? I don't want to assume here. Uh, the reason they had these festivals, the reason they had these celebrations, was to reflect on what God had done. For example, Passover was a really big deal to the children of Israel. And do you know the purpose of Passover? Some of you probably do. The purpose of Passover was to remember how God had spared the oldest children of the people when they put blood on the doorposts of their homes during the last of the ten plagues in Egypt. You see, looking back, so just as a, as a review, God had brought about ten different plagues at ten different times 
to show his power and to try and convince Pharaoh that Pharaoh should let God's people, the, the, children, of, the children of Israel, that God should let his people, that, no, I'm sorry, that Pharaoh should let God's people leave. And the first time that, that, that he did this, Pharaoh backed out. The next eight times, for a total of nine, there was a no. But the tenth time, the tenth time this plague came that caused the oldest son of each household to die. And the only way that didn't happen is if there was blood from a sacrificed lamb that was spread on the doorposts. The Lord said he would protect people if they put the blood on the doorpost, around the door. And that night, the night of that, that tenth plague, a spirit passed through Egypt, and if there wasn't blood on the doorpost, the oldest son died. Imagine the sadness for all those who didn't believe that God would do what he said. Yet at the same point, imagine the, do- the, the joy and the, the, the thankfulness of those descendants of Israel, the, the children of Israel, when they had the, the blood on the doorpost and when their sons didn't die and others did. And when they were allowed to leave the captivity and the slavery of the Egyptians because Pharaoh had had enough and he just wanted them out of there. God wanted them to remember what he had done that night. And that is why they celebrate Passover, to celebrate the angel of death passing over. Many of us have things that we can look back on and where we can see God's provision and God's protection. I recall times as a kid when we were pretty much out of food in my house. But someone would deliver a bag of groceries. I remember a time worrying about, as an adult, how I was going to provide for my family when there was an unsolicited job offer that showed up offering to pay me a ridiculous amount of money. And no, that wasn't the rescue church. But do you know what happens when when I get to that point where finances are tight, unfortunately, I typically start trying to figure out how I'm going to fix it. And it's usually then that I'm reminded of something. I'm reminded of how God has taken care of me and my family in the past. I'm reminded of that job offer or the food delivery or one of the many other times that God has provided. And when I reflect on what God has done, how God has provided in the past, I realize that if he has done it before, he can do it again. My heavenly father hasn't all of a sudden lost his ability to care for me. He hasn't lost the ability to care for my family in this situation. He has taken care of us in the past, and he is more than capable of doing it in the present. So one of the reasons that I know that I can trust God is that he has been faithful in the past. A second reason, another reason that I know that I can trust God is that he is faithful in the present. And you can see this faithfulness in the fact that he is present with you. He is with you. We we just finished the Easter season where we reflect on Jesus' death. We reflect on his burial and his resurrection, as well as the things that led up to that. We talked last week about how the disciples, 11 of Jesus' closest friends, had their worlds absolutely shattered and rocked when, when their teacher 
and their leader and their friend was executed on that cross. You and I can probably only imagine what was going on in their heads. What they were thinking about as they were mourning together. I'm guessing there was thoughts of, well, what's next? And I'm pretty sure there was some worry about an unknown future. But then, then Jesus comes back from the dead. And his friends have this opportunity to see him and to talk to him. He tells them to meet, them, meet him on this mountain. So, they go, and they go to this mountain. And Jesus appears to them at this mountain and, and has some final words that he wants to share with them before he returns to heaven. Part of what he has to say is found in Matthew 28, verse 20. And in Matthew 28, verse 20, he tells them, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Those of us, you and I, that have a personal relationship with God, we can know that God is with us right now in this very moment. This was really obvious to me this past week. I was talking to a friend of mine who was dealing with a trial. And I'm not talking about just a hard time. I'm talking about a literal trial. And this was a trial that could result in them being locked up for many years. They were being accused of some things from, from before they became a Christian and before they started following Jesus. These were things from, from before they began seeing, before they began having and experiencing a change in their life because of a relationship with God and what he was doing in them. And during those two days of the trial, and honestly in the days before, we had multiple conversations, he and I did. And I recall one conversation where, where they said with complete confidence, maybe even peace actually, that if they ended up in jail, they were going to bring Jesus with them. And everyone that was with them in that jail was going to hear about what Jesus had done in their life. He knew he had God with him. In another conversation, I was struck by how calm he was as he was relying on God's will and God's plan, what God was going to do. Then a story was relayed to me about how, how after a guilty verdict, after that was issued and after there was cuffs, that person paused and respectfully thanked the judge for their time. God was doing a work in this person's life. God was with this person during this incredibly difficult time. And there was absolutely no denying it. If you knew them, if you talked to them, you knew that God was at work. It was after all this that I decided I was going to adjust the sermon for this weekend. I knew we had to talk about God's faithfulness and what his faithfulness can mean for you and what his faithfulness can mean for me. 
But looking back, God continued to make this point that, that he's with us right now in the present. When there was a friend that called me this week concerned about a medical issue. Their request was, can we pray together right now? They knew God was there in the present and that he could handle the situation that they were dealing with. And he did. You see, we can trust God today, not because we don't have problems. It's not the absence of problems. It's the presence of God. That's why we can trust him. And this brings us to the final reason that we're going to look at for why we can trust God. It's because God will be faithful with tomorrow. God will be faithful with tomorrow. But Sam, you may ask, how do you know the future? How can you know what's going to happen? How can you know that God will be faithful tomorrow? The answer to all those questions is found in Revelation chapter 21. It's at the end of the Bible. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5. Second to last, last chapter in the last book of the Bible. And if you're a follower of Christ, we are told that, that what happens in that part of the, story, the, the, the Bible, that will be the end of your story. Jesus told John while, while John was on the island of Patmos that this was the end of our story, of your story and mine, if you were a follower of Christ. This here is how you can know that God will be faithful tomorrow. Jesus said, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. God told us in those verses, he tells us the end of the story. In 2008, a young lady named Holly began connecting with the, the Minnesota church that my family was a part of. I didn't really get to know Holly until she signed up to go to Jamaica with us in 2009. Eve and I were, were leading a group that was going to Jamaica. We were going to do a Bible camp at the Knockpatrick campus of Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf. And it was on this trip that Eve and I really got to know Holly. And it's also on this trip when Holly began her personal relationship with God. Since that time, there was a season where, where Holly actually lived with our family. And a time where she took care of our home in Minnesota when we had moved to South Dakota. She stayed there and made sure that uh, our house was taken care of when we couldn't be there. And then over the, the next few years, Holly would meet her husband our future husband at the time, Ricky. And while we, we really like Ricky, we weren't exactly excited to see that they would be getting married and, and headed to the south. They're moving down in the Carolinas. But God knew what he was doing. 
Before too long, Holly and Ricky, they were expecting their first child. Yet it wasn't long before they started to realize that something was not right. They went to specialists to try and find answers. But the only answer that they seemed to be given was that this pregnancy, it wasn't a viable pregnancy. And that they should end this unborn child's life. Now for Holly and Ricky, ending this child's life was not an option. And they chose to do what they could do medically while getting an army of people to pray for supernatural intervention. Things certainly were not easy. Holly spent much of that, that pregnancy at Duke University's medical center. And the time came that this baby, Isaac, was born. The next weeks, months, and years weren't always easy, but, but Isaac is now a healthy boy. God was faithful. But this isn't the end of the story. A couple of years after Isaac was born, Holly and Ricky were told by the, the doctors that, that they didn't see a, name, a, a need for them not to, to try and have another child. And so Ricky and Holly decided that, that they were going to have another one. And this time it was a baby girl. Unfortunately, months into the pregnancy, things once again started to, to look not right. Holly told me that she started to deal with fear. <laughs> and really, who can blame her? And at the same time, as she was dealing with this fear, Ricky and Holly had been through this before. And once again, they insisted on seeing this pregnancy to term. They had experienced a miracle happen before, and they believed it could happen again. Again, people were praying and believing that God would do a miracle. I was one of those people. But this time... God did not answer those prayers the way we had all hoped. And in January of 2020, Hadessa passed away. Imagine the shock and the pain they experienced. There is and there was a lot of grief. I don't think I can, can overstate the amount of hurt they experienced. Personally, I can't even imagine it. Yet through it all, at least to my knowledge, they never gave up on God. They knew he could be trusted with their family, and they knew he could be trusted with their daughter. They experienced God's faithfulness. And God was, was faithful with Hadessa's future. God was faithful in Hadessa's future. We have assurance, Holly and Ricky have an assurance that today Hadessa is waiting in heaven for her parents and for her siblings. Hadessa has experienced the future that we as followers of Christ will experience where there is no more death, there is no more mourning, there are no more tears, there is no more pain. Now let's go back to where Holly and Ricky are at today. They are continuing 
to lean into God's faithfulness. And Holly is pregnant with child number three. During this pregnancy, there have been a couple of scares, but, but Holly told me that she has once again come to a point where she has been able to give it to God. She's been able to, to give those worries to God. Today, as I speak to you, Holly's about seven weeks from the C-section date, and things are looking good. As we, we started today, we talked about what are our biggest worries. And if I was Ricky, or if I was Holly, losing my child would be my biggest worry right now. Now, don't misunderstand me. Holly and Ricky wouldn't want to be put on a pedestal. They, they wouldn't want anyone to think that they are perfect because they would admit that they aren't. But they are trusting in God's faithfulness. They believe that he can be trusted with their children, including the one that, that Holly is currently carrying. They may be stronger than I am, at least in this situation, but that makes sense, doesn't it? God's been working in their lives and preparing them for this day. They have seen God's faithfulness in the past through a miraculous healing and a miraculous intervention. They have seen God's faithfulness in the past through a crushing loss. They have experienced and are experiencing the presence of God in their lives in the here and the now. They are experiencing his presence today. And Holly and Ricky, they have a hope in God's faithfulness for the future. They know that for Hadessa and for their other two children, actually Hadessa is already experiencing it, but for their other two children, the best is still to come. Now, I don't know what you're facing. I, I truly don't know your worries. I do know that, that if you're a follower of Christ, God has been preparing you for today. And he can be trusted with whatever it is that you are faith, facing. But for those of you who don't have a relationship with God, you are missing two of the critical components to being able to face worry. The first component is, that's being missed is that you don't have a relationship with God. You don't have God in the present. And the second is, you don't have the, the, the hope of God's faithfulness in the future. You are missing out on hope if you do not have a relationship with God. If you want to experience this hope, you can do it today. We'd love to talk with you more about it. I'd love to talk with you about it more about how you can have that same hope that my friend had with this medical emergency, that you can have the same hope that my friend had facing jail, that you can have the same hope that, that Ricky and Holly have experienced and are experiencing. So please, if you don't have that relationship, reach out today. God is faithful, and he can be trusted. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your faithfulness. We are thankful for your, your 
ability to be trusted, for your faithfulness in the past, for, for your faithfulness and trustworthiness in the present, and your faithfulness in the future. For we know our best is still to come. God, I pray for any person right now who is, is struggling with worry, who is struggling with feeling like they are alone. God, if they don't know you, if they do not have a relationship with you, today, please, convict them. Right now, convict them. Don't allow them to, to go on without wrestling with the reality that you are God and that you want to have a relationship with them. You want to know them personally, and you want them to know you personally. And God, for the rest of us who have a relationship with you, I pray that we would lean into your faithfulness and your trustworthiness. And as we we close today, God, I lift up, I lift up Ricky and Holly's unborn child, that you would protect that child, that that child would be born healthy, that you would allow Ricky and Holly to continue to testify of your faithfulness. God, to these friends that I, I, I mentioned earlier, the one who's wrestling with, with jail time, and prison time, God, I pray that they would experience your presence and your faithfulness, that that because of what you have brought them for, through before, they would have confidence for the future and for the present. And for those dealing with illness and sickness, God, that they would, that they would experience a peace that comes from trusting you and knowing that you are faithful. We love you, God. And ask that you would continue to teach us, continue to build our relationship with you, that we would trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses. If you'd like to learn more about The Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com or email us at office at therescuechurch.com.